Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Say it with your chest. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Time to talk that talk of Michael Bumpus with Paul Moore. Hey, Paul, that was Rihanna that sings that song that leads us in. Why did you? Why did you do that? I, you know, I just, I just thought well, maybe I should let you. Well, know. you think I don't know who Rihanna is? I know you know who she is. Okay. <laughs> you don't think I know her songs? I don't think you know that one though. Well, I know that one. All right, cool. All right, let's I'm talk. Gonna, that. I'm going to say that. <laughs> let's talk that talk. Okay, my question for you, Mr. Moyer: The Seahawks have turned the corner defensively and will be at least top 20 as a defense for the rest of the season. They played better last week, and I'll say they turned a bit of a corner because I think they're starting to form an identity. I saw a little bit more cover two, a little cover two man. Um, I'm going to say no, and there's two reasons why. One is, boy, the leapfrog is big. And last year, we were the best defense, hands down, the last seven, eight games of the year, and we went from 32nd to 23rd. That was a big leap where we started. Yeah. We're 32nd right now. We've got Arizona twice. We've got the Rams still. We've got Green Bay. And, again, we got a leapfrog 12 teams. Those aren't the reasons, though. We just – I just don't see us making enough plays in the turnover game. I was having enough ball hawks, playmakers – uh, to pull that off. I do like Trey Brown. I think he's going to be a guy that helps along the way. Uh, we need more of those type of players, but I'm going to say no. I just think it's too big of a jump and not enough plays being made. So you're going to say no. The Hawks are 32 overall. Look at the guys in front of them. The Washington football team is 31 on defense. Yeah, that's crazy. Going into the season. Last I, year they were awesome. Yeah, I thought they'd be middle of the pack and above. Then you have the Dolphins. Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chiefs who have been struggling, the Giants, the Texans, the Lions. These are teams that you feel like this football team can be better than, but we're talking about the defense. And I'm with you, Moyer. I think they've dug themselves in too big of a hole. I think that teams are learning how to exploit certain things when it comes to their offensive scheme against their defensive scheme. And I don't see too many changes being made. Can this defense get better and allow this team to be in games? Yeah, I think so. All you need to do is have one or two turnovers a game or two and your offense is get, getting going there in the game. But it's about consistency. That's how you kind of climb the ladder when it comes to being from the worst team in the in the league when it comes to defense to a top 20 team. I just don't see that happening. I see them getting good enough to help this team win ball games, though. Yeah, they, they're about 70 yards a game or uh, 70 yards per game behind to get to that 20 spot. It's not insurmountable. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's less than 500 yards. You start chipping away on that even, you know, 50 yards a game. We've, we've got Jacksonville that we can pull that off. Houston, though, they've actually put some, some points on the board. Um, we, we got Chicago, Detroit. There's some teams that we play that, you know, we can keep them under 300 yards. You can make a dent, but I still think it's, that's awfully tough. Um, I mentioned Trey Brown, by the way, and I thought he looked really good. He yeah. looked like a corner, great feel, and you guys know how I felt about him coming out of college. Well, Trey Brown, 
be the best Seahawks corner since Richard Sherman. Since Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. It just shows you there's a gap there. There is a gap. And if you talk about that gap, you got to think of Shaq Griffin is probably the mm-hmm. next best thing since Richard Sherman. I don't see him being better than Shaq Griffin right now. Will he? Does that mean by the end of the season we're saying, hey, Trey Brown is as good as Shaq Griffin? Well, I don't even know if the end of the season. I just will he end up being? Will end up just overall? Just, we're just looking at. It. Look, overall. Shaq was here. He didn't make it to a second contract. Didn't didn't have a lot of turn. He's the guy I'm looking at too. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going off of one game. I'm going off of a couple big plays. I'm going to say no right now. Just right now. It's a it's a fluid situation, right? It he can improve week by week. He can get me to buy in. I think he should be a starter right now. I think that he deserves an opportunity to be the best quarter cornerback since Richard Sherman. But right now. No, I'm not buying it. What about you? We're going to delete this segment if I'm wrong, and we're going to throw it in a trash can never to be found so no one can call me out on this. But I'm going to say yes, and here's why. He's a playmaker. When I saw him coming out of college, I wasn't sure if it would translate to the NFL. That's always the unknown. But the plays I saw just last week, it's a small sample size. The field he has for holding off routes and reading the quarterback, and that's the key the second part. Reading the quarterback and breaking on the quarterback. You cannot get interceptions in this league. If you're in a zone defense and you're still backpedaling and the quarterback has already set and started to throw, you have to, at that point, you have to settle. When he starts to get into that arm motion, I have to be in a position to break now. I have to start to break before the ball's thrown or right when it comes out of his hand. Yep. Trey Brown has that ability. So the reason why I think he's going to be better, particularly with Zach, or with Shaq Griffin, is he's going to get more interceptions. He's going okay. to be a, more of a playmaker. I don't know if he's going to be a shutdown corner, uh, maybe like Shaq had the ability to be, but quarterbacks should be more afraid to throw his way. I can see that. I can see him rolling the dice a bit more than Shaq Cass or Trey Flowers when he was here, or even DJ Reed. And DJ Reed is probably the most aggressive corner out of Shaq and Trey Flowers. So, yeah, I can see him breaking on the football and trying to make some plays. All right. All right, my question to you. Jamin Winston will return to form and throw multiple interceptions against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I, what I really need is a body language psychiatrist that can read where he feels going into this game. Big moment, prime time. I'm going to say no. And, here's, and again, here's the why. It's the offense they run now. Yeah. They don't push the ball downfield. It's dink. It's dunk. It's um, They're going to try and run it with the running game. They're going to let their defense try to win it for them, creating turnovers. If we get the lead on them or we can force him into some passing situations, I think he will throw them up. And I, We can put pressure on the quarterback, particularly if they have to push it downfield, throw the ball over 10 yards. We haven't really had – Teams have to do that to us. It, we, we're going to have to force that issue if we're going to get those interceptions. So I'm going to say no. This is why I'm with you. I'm going to say no as well. He's only thrown three inter- interceptions this year, one against the Washington football team, two against the Carolina Panthers. He's only been sacked nine times. So this offensive line is doing a good job, and the offensive scheme is to not let Jameis lose this game for you. There are going to be a lot of play actions dumping off into the flats. Once they get you biting, then he'll take a shot. Um, he has the ability to throw the football down the field. But, no, I see one interception. I see one. I don't see multiple, though. 
I hope so because uh, we we need turnovers to I believe to win the game because that they're a turnover defense um, and we're gonna we gotta match that. Okay, we're two and four. Yeah, the schedule is half tough, half not tough. We got two games against Arizona. We got one more at the Rams. We got one with San Francisco. We got the Giants. That's the tough. Then you got the Jacksonville, Chicago, which I think will be a tougher game than people are, I think. We got Detroit, Houston's of the world. Will the Seahawks get to 10 wins in 2021? Will they get to 10 wins? And make the playoffs. Oh, and oh. oh Sorry, I got to throw whammy, an extra. Double whammy. All right. Yeah, I'm going to get that one, too. All right, so there. first, let me start to 10 wins. Jaguars win. Washington football team win. Niners win. Texans win. Bears win. Lions win. That's six right there. Okay. That's six. I'm gonna say, you know what? They're gonna they're gonna split one from the Cardinals. I'll give them seven. Right now, Moyer, I don't see ten wins. Now, again, it's fluid. Week by week, things could change. Guys get healthy. The offense gets going. The defense is going. Right now, ten mm. wins. I predicted them. I believe having them eleven wins this year. Ten wins just seems so tough. And then I don't think ten is enough to get into the playoffs now. What do you think? So you're saying not only not 10, because I kind of butchered my question there. Um, I got to put my big boy pants on and make a decision here. This game is so critical. It, it To me, it tips the balance of do they make the playoffs or not. Mm, okay. That's how big it is to me. Um, I just don't feel we're playing well enough to win 10 games with the schedule. In other words, I don't see us beating a good football team right now. And we have the ability to lose to a bad football team last, like last week. Pittsburgh was not a good football team. Um, you know, they did some things at matchups and defensively they can give you problems. But offensively, after watching that game again, we, we should have absolutely dominated them. Um, I'm going to say no right now. But, boy, if we have the same question next week and we win Monday, I'm completely flipping that because now we're going to be 4-4. Four and four. We're going to get Russell Wilson back. That confidence level, you get some identity. This game is so critical on every goal, not just the wins, not just the playoffs. It's statistically, it's confidence, it's everything. It's, it's, it's a big game, obviously. Third week in a row is a must-win game for these Seahawks. You know how we, we start winning? Man, I'll start playing at 1 o'clock on a Sunday again. <laughs> this is going to be the third game in a row. We've got a nighttime game. And, you know, me and my beauty sleep waking up the next morning. Moyer needs to sleep. The Hawks yes. need to get it done. And when we return, we'll go inside the film room. We'll break down Gerald Everett's 41-yard reception. Trey Brown makes a big play on third down, and TJ ends the game for the Hawks. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thanks for tuning in to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer, and now we get to be coaches. We get to get into the film room and break things down. The first play we are breaking down, Geno Smith finds Gerald Everett for a 41-yard reception. Play fake, Geno hits his back foot, he's going to throw down the middle, got a man open, the ball is caught, Everett breaks a tackle, inside the 20, down to the 10, down to the 3 yard line, diving for the end zone, he's down at the 2, as Everett was just incensed that he couldn't get it all the way in, boy is it nice to have Gerald Everett back for 40 yards, the Seahawks are cooking first and goal inside the 5. 
This was the second touchdown drive that the Hawks put together in the second half. The first one was a lot of runs. This one, the tight ends get involved, and Gerald Everett does a great job. Before this game, I got to give Paul Moyer some love. He goes, look, man, we're going to see some three tight end sets. That's exactly what we see. To the left side of the formation, you have Gerald Everett and Colby Parkinson. To the top, you have Will Disley, a clear running formation. That's exactly what the Hawks show. Geno Smith is under center. He reverse pivots out. Flashes the run from that instant right there. What I love about this play, Paul Moyer, is that it all looks like run. You got Colby outside of Gerald Everett. He pulls, making it look like you're going back to the right side of the formation for a run. You have Gerald Everett who releases and attacks the linebacker like he's going to block. All he has to do is angle at this guy. He thinks the block is coming. As soon as he gets on his toes, boom, he snaps it upfield. Gino does a great job of showing the football like it's going to be a run. He tucks it, gets his eyes downfield. It essentially becomes a two-on-two. You got a receiver on the outside. I believe that's Penny Hart, who's going to run the go. It looks like it's a cover three. And you also have Gerald Everett, who's running up the seam. He snaps it off about 10 to 15 yards down the field. Geno delivers a football on time. That corner does a speed turn. The corner that's running with Penny Hart does a speed turn instead of what's what's the other turn? Give me a, the, the terminology there. Uh no, I mean, speed turn is usually you're, you're flipping your head and shoulders around rather yeah. than clearing and your your hips and and like and keeping everything uh, so your back's never to the ball. In this case, it's faster to do what we call a, a, a speed turn or speed, speed turn. cut. So. Yep. so he does a speed turn, gets to Gerald Everett. Safety gets to Gerald Everett at the same time. Boom, boom, bang, bang. That guy spins out of it, gets loose. Stiffs arm the next defender, almost gets into the end zone. I was excited because this is the first time we've seen Everett in a while. He's been on the COVID-19 list, makes a big play, sets up not a game-winning but a touchdown from Will Disley. Yeah, I don't think we'd ever see a steady diet of three tight ends because you're taking Lockett or Metcalf off the field. But let me tell you what the challenge is for defenses on that because you got Cody Parkinson who can absolutely run. You got Everett who can run. You got Disley who is a very accomplished uh, wide receiver tight end as well. When I saw this play, I won't make a – first of all, give Shane Waldron credit because all we hear is negative things, you know, on the Twitter. It's negative. You know, Jamal can't do this. Well, Waldron, he's not doing that. Well, we never hear the good stuff. Never. And here's one. We just got done running the football nine out of ten plays. He comes in with a three tight end uh, lineup. And I know we always think the only people who make mistakes and get sucked up on play action is the Seahawks. Let me tell you what, this you go watch Pittsburgh, every linebacker is up in the line of scrimmage. They don't know what's going on. It's a really well-designed play. They're doing a clear out on our uh, on our offensive left side, trying to clear the corner with a go route, and then work a a, a deep out or a, you know a corner route, I guess you know with with a tight end. It's just a beautiful play, and it just goes to show you why wouldn't you run play action every play <laughs> when you're not running the ball? I'm serious. It works almost every time. Now, if you're a quarterback that throws it quick, as soon as they get behind the linebackers, you can make a living on this all day long. And, you know, Pittsburgh's a well-coached team. They've had a great defense, and they look like they've never seen play action before in their life. This works especially if you come out in the third quarter and you run the ball nine times out of ten on a touchdown drive. Okay, this next play, Trey Brown lights up Ray Ray McLeod on third and four for a huge stop in overtime. 
Ben stands strong. Pump fakes. Now he's being chased. Now he's going to throw near side. Getting hit. Getting pushed back. Trey Brown, what a play on Ray Ray McLeod. He catches the ball to McLeod. He was about a yard and a half from picking up the first down. And Trey Brown, like a rocket, comes in. He hits him and knocks him on his wallet. And the Steelers are going to be forced to punt. What a play by the rookie. Well, he's right. What a play it is. And this is, I'm going to say it's hybrid quarters. We actually line up in a four-man front, and we drop our one of our defensive ends. So it's actually eight men in coverage. But it's quarters by the secondary and the linebackers. And what it looks like is a cover two defense from the snap. Uh, Trey Brown's playing left corner. He comes out on the snap and just opens up and, and I don't want to say runs out. He, he just opens up to give a cushion on the corner. So he's playing a soft uh, quarters on the left side. Up top, we're playing more of a tighter bump and run man to man for whatever it is. they do it by usually formation. But this is why I said early why I think Trey Brown has a chance to be a really good corner. I can't teach this as a coach. I'm going to rep the you-know-what out of it, yeah. but I can't teach it and, and and hope that a guy just gets it. His natural feel for holding off that turn and holding it off so that's not there, and it, we've got to have this third and four. So he can't give up too much ground. I mean, he's got to be able to make a play on the turn. It's his play. And then to get the wide route or the, the back end of the flat, his explosiveness, once that ball is out of Ben Roethlisberger's hand, is it's the best I've seen of any of our secondary guys. It's explosive. It's decisive. He doesn't break down. He runs right through this guy. He understands the situation, where the ball is, everything. And he described it. This is what gets me excited. We need player playmakers like this. It just looks so technically sound. Yes. It looks like he's done this hundreds of times. He's mm-hmm. seen this situation. I've seen the curl to the flat. Every offense in the NFL has a route combination when one guy runs a curl, other guy runs an arrow. Let's put the flat defender in the especially in quarters in a bind. And really his flat defender isn't there. Marquise Brown uh, uh, excuse me, Marquise Blair is caught up in what's going on inside. So this was a, a great play. He seemed confident like you said and he's patient. Right? When I hear defensive coaches coach this up, you're like, you want them to throw the arrow in the flat. That's the throw that you want. Even on third and short, right? You don't want them to throw the curl. The curl is, is an easy first down. So to see him be patient, and I'll never forget, Moyer, I kid you not, you broke down this exact same type play when he was at Oklahoma in the Seahawks film session, and it it's showed UCLA. up. It was a UCLA game. Uh, he actually, I think I ran two versions of it uh, because they were just a little different. One was uh, a cover two route where they ran the corner, uh, and then they had a guy in the flat. And so he was holding off the corner route. And then he broke up on the flat and made an interception. I said, whoa, that was awesome. This is a, a version of it. The difference is because they read it's not a cover two. The play is he's going to run a turn or a curl route. Yeah. But he, So he holds that off. Mm-hmm. Same concept. I've got to hold it off and then break to the flat. Because in this particular case, which was different than the other side of the ball, they, uh, they stayed on the guy going to the flat. So the guy who was on the slot, when yeah. the guy ran to the flat – he jumped it, and the corner stayed on the in, in route. In this case, the Marquis Blair said, I'm not going to the flat. I'm going to hold off the turn for you a little bit. He gets a little help. But in, in actuality, Trey Brown held both of them and made the play. It's, again, really excited about the, what we see from him moving forward. 
Beautiful play by Trey Brown. The next play, T.J. Watt strips Geno Smith on first down in overtime, effectively ending the ball game. The play fake. Geno looks, pump fakes. Now he's going to scramble. He fumbles the football. It's picked up by Bush, and Bush is dropped at his own 17-yard line. Geno Smith, his first scramble of the night, forward for positive yards and has the ball knocked out of his hands. I think it might have been, I'm sorry to say, T.J. Watt who got there again for yet another big play. If we never see T.J. Watt again, it'll be too soon. You know what's unfortunate about this play? Yes, Geno Smith, strip sack, Pittsburgh gets the ball. It's the second week in a row on a drive you have to win the ball game that he turns the ball over on the very first play of the drive. Now, I'm not mad at the play call, honestly. You line up in what looks like a running formation. You got double tight. You have Will Disley in that little sniffer look to the right side of the formation. His job, the O-line sells the zone right. His job is to take care of the end right there so he doesn't get pressure on the quarterback. Gino does a great job selling the play fake to DJ Reed. But now you have a two-man combination outside. You have DK on the right side of the formation. You have Lockett on the left side of the formation. Lockett cuts his split in tight, ends up running a corner route. Uh, He's bracketed by that safety in that corner. On the other side, you have DK, who's running about a dig or a dagger, 10-yard in, and it's covered. There's nowhere for Geno to go right here. The corner that's uh, playing Lockett does a good job staying underneath, using that safety help. That corner makes a phenomenal – I'm going to describe that one later. He makes a phenomenal play. You got DK on the other side. He's running the dig. The corner stays stays underneath. He's bracketed by that safety right there. So I see why Geno said, I'm not throwing this football – I'm going to get upfield. It's more about T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt, he, you know what they say? I hear this term all the time. I don't know if it's a term, but it's saying like, you don't get deeper than the ball when you're rushing, yes. when you're on the end. You get deeper than the ball, it's easy for these quarterbacks to climb up and make plays. Watt does, doesn't do that. He doesn't get deeper than the ball. He gets exactly parallel to the football, keeps his eyes on the quarterback, and then just makes a play. That's why he's the highest play defensive player in the league. Yeah, we say don't run past the quarterback. And, it, and, and it, it, it's a bit of a geometry deal. And so, again, the farther away you are from him um, uh, laterally, uh, the, the less you want to run past him because now you create that escape piece. Yeah. You can do it a little bit more if you're really tight to him, but then you, know, then you kind of want to bull rush the, the tackle on, on that particular play. But on this play, I, w- I won't describe the whole thing. It's a two-man route. Again, it's play action. It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, where the receivers end up is almost the same play that Everett caught. They just came from different positions, yeah. right? So the corner on this case, you're right. They, they, the corner and the safeties play this awesome. And this is the nice thing about quarters because the reason why quarters came into play 20-some, 30 years ago was it allowed the, the inside linebacks to play really aggressive, and then your safeties were back. And, again, if anybody releases downfield – you don't worry about the run, right? If he's going to come block me 10 yards downfield, that means the next guy down can make the, the tackle. So it allowed the inside linebackers and linebackers play super aggressive inside, and you knew you were backed up on a play action because you, you were covered with the secondary in this situation. And this, they, you, you've got it. We've got a, a bit of a quarters um, on this. We get an inside release by DK Metcalf. The corner's outside. And they recognize the route, and all of a sudden he undercuts it. So he yeah. undercuts and gets back inside, and that's why there's no throw. Initially, there's a throw. It's so well played by them. But the most important thing, I'll close it with this, 
This is a hustle play by what? He's almost triple team. He is double team by our tight end and defensive or offensive tackle. Our running back comes over there, kind of chips him to three guys, but he spins out of it because he doesn't go past the quarterback. Mm-hmm. The only bad thing on this play is we just didn't secure the football. Yep. We would it would have came up second and seven. Yep. Uh, we we could live with that. It, just a hustle play. Good decision by Gino. Better defense by the Steelers. When we return, we'll go around the NFL. Does Aaron Rodgers have ownership stake in the Bears? Is Lamar Jackson the best QB in the NFL? And through six weeks, who's the best team in the NFL? That's next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with my dude, Paul Moyers. Time to go around the NFL. If you didn't know, man, Aaron Rodgers, he's 21-5 against the Chicago, the Chicago, I'm saying with my, my wife, she's Latina, I said Chicago, the Chicago, <laughs> Chicago. Bears. Uh, he has some, some things to say to this crowd. Rodgers snaps it quick. Pressure coming. Scrambles to his right. Pumps and runs. Aaron Rodgers is inside the pylon. Touchdown Packers. It's Rodgers running for the score. <laughs> I still own you. Rodgers flexing on these dudes. He's one of the goats of the game. The other goat, one of the other goats of the game, Tom Brady has something to say about that. I actually, before we get started, I wanted to say congrats to Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, um, now he's a great quarterback, but I guess he's now a shareholder of the Bears. He was, you know, I, <laughs> I saw a clip of him really enthusiastically telling the crowd how happy he is to own Soldier Field, and uh, it's really great stuff. He owns the Bucks now, part owner of Soldier Field, so um, he's he's got a, a great career beyond football. Man, I'm loving some Tom Brady at this point in his career. He seems uh, comfortable in his skin. It, it, clearly, Bill Belichick had the thumb on everybody. Yeah. You know, you have to be stoic and straight-laced. It's fun to – and you know how I feel about Tom Brady. I think he's – you know, I, I know a few things about I, I think he's phenomenal. Um, you know, I love that. And, you know, I'm okay with the Aaron Rodgers part Me of it, too. too. Well, when I first saw it, I was like, come on, man. You're bigger than that. But – and then my other one was you're 21 and five against me. And exactly. Are they even a rival? You no. know, if it was, if it was, because uh, Minnesota is probably more of a rival. I'm not sure why. I know Chicago and Green Bay long history there, but since he's been there, Aaron, um, I'm trying to think who's the the one just knocking on their. Certainly not Detroit. You know, I guess you know, I guess it's probably Chicago and Minnesota, but that's pretty good. I love it. That's pretty good. I own you. You talking all that stuff? You know these fans are crazy. You know they say whatever comes to their brain, they're going to say it. They're going to flip you the bird. They're going to boo you and say all this stuff about you on Twitter and all this stuff. Heck, yeah, Rodgers, you own them. 21-5, and five, son. What's up? What do you think the NFL is going to do? Nothing. Oh, no. It's Aaron Rodgers. First of all, it's, ain't ta- doing nothing. it's taunting. You know, can't taunt a player. <laughs> now we're, the You fans, know you though. can't. Can't taunt fans. Nah. You have to be gentler, kinder, and they have to be the same way back to you. <laughs> They're going to change the rules. Is this youth sports we're talking about here? Uh, just look, the NFL, everyone, they get it right most of the time. I mean, they, you know how I feel. They're a re- revenue juggernaut. And they had it really going. And, you know, they, they look, there's always controversial things you got to deal with. They had it going. And then this year they messed with all 22 on the NFL game pass. <laughs> and then they brought in this taunting dumb thing that has ruined 
I think it's it's it made the game not as much fun. Well, hold on a second, Bump. So going back to Aaron Rodgers, right? What it made me think of all the Chicago fans because you just sports hate that dude, and I can just feel your blood boiling. And it made me think, who have you guys sports hated, right? So like growing up, I hated the New York Yankees. Everything about them. Paul O'Neill, Bernie Williams, uh, Posada, <laughs> all those guys, Roger Clemens, it just made my blood boil, right? And fast forward, like Kaepernick on the field, sports hate. It was right there. So putting yourself in that mindset, who did you guys sports hate growing up or still to this day, past or present? I'm, I'm such a hypocrite. I'm such a hypocrite. You know why? Because I sports hated Tom Brady, now I like him. Yeah. I sports hated LeBron James, now I like him. He plays for my team, I got to support him. I'm such a hypocrite. Those are the two guys where I'm just like, all right, don't compare LeBron and Kobe and Tom Brady. I'm just jealous of your life and all your success, so I don't like you. Boy, dislike. I, mean, I, I, I was a huge Raider fan, so the Immaculate Reception in Pittsburgh, and so Franco Harris I never liked. But then in 1984, we brought him on our team because we had an injury. He's the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> he's a great – I mean, he's such a good dude. But after that um, – I got to go back to 2013, San Francisco. I hated everything about San Francisco. I hated Harbaugh. I hated their whole offense. I hated their defense, their organization. Your, there's nothing about them. I like. That was a great rivalry at the time. So that's my one hate. I again, and then I got to flip it back to Pittsburgh again. Ben Roethlisberger, the 2005 Super Bowl, the, the, how we got that stolen from us. Don't get me started on that, but they did. <laughs> Um, so there's there's some there, but God, I didn't really hate players. I'm not a big LeBron James fan. I can tolerate him now because he's on the Lakers, but it's more of his. You know, he, to me, yeah. he's just a baby. Yeah, he's other, a great player. That but it's other just stuff. A, it's the baby stuff. Yeah. Okay. Now Ocho Emmanuel had very strong points. Emmanuel Ocho. <laughs> oh my God, Emmanuel Ocho. I, I apologize. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm reading off the script right now. <laughs> Emmanuel Acho had some things to say about Lamar Jackson. Here's a clear separation that makes Lamar Jackson the best quarterback in the National Football League. Not just tier one, but the best. Who's doing more with less? Okay. What makes Lamar Jackson the best quarterback in the league is he has 16 players that started the season on IR. His top two running backs, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, gone. His first round uh, receiver, Rashad Bateman, missed the first five games of the season. His starting left tackle, all pro, Ronnie Staley, out of there. Starting left guard, rookie this year, out of there. Uh, when you look at Lamar Jackson overcoming both his top two running backs, and they're a running football team, mm-hmm. his first round wide receiver, his all pro left tackle, his left guard for uh, uh, third round pick, not to mention Marcus Peters, Pro Bowl quarterback, mm. ain't even out there, and you still keep this Baltimore Ravens team at five and one. For to me, mm. that is the separation. <laughs> Lamar Jackson isn't tier one with eight or nine other guys, but Lamar Jackson is at the top of that tier. He ain't lying. Um, you know, I think we all thought, oh, it's his legs, his legs, his legs. But I, I think the win over the Chiefs the second week of the season, and I would even say the Charger game last week, 34-6, to and the Chargers were coming off, you know, some pretty impressive wins. Their head coach was getting a lot of praise for being a great leader. I, well, I, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, look, I still like Mahomes, but now he's throwing interceptions. Um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's gotten older. We like Tom. Russell's hurt. Look, Lamar's the guy right now, and he's doing it with his arm too. And that's what's impressed me is he's had to make some big-time throws downfield, 
You throw in the electric, unbelievable, there's no one in his category speed as a running quarterback. And now with his arm, I, I, I can't argue with that one. And he's doing it with a bunch of injuries. I didn't realize a lot of those dudes were injured. I saw, what, Le'Veon Bell was in the backfield at some point. Uh, Devontae Freeman, I believe I saw back there as well. I mean, they got a system that works, and they have a quarterback who's learning how to be a complete quarterback and not just a guy who's going to run the football. He's dangerous. I look at Pat Mahomes, man. He looks figured out. He looks like, look, if I don't have at least a decent defense behind me, I can't I can't lead the charge here. It's it's uh, it's interesting to see. The, I'm, I wouldn't say the rise in the fall, but just – where they're progressing right now. You know what was interesting when I when I heard that, and we can call him uh, Emmanuel or whatever you want to call him. Ocho. I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> it it kind of reminded me of Russell Wilson. Remember what Russell Wilson had for wide receivers. They are all free agents. They brought in Percy Harvin on a trade, and that didn't last long. But his wide receivers, we've never drafted a high draft pick at wide receiver. They tried to bring in, after the fact, Jimmy Graham at tight end. We had a running game. We run with defense. You know, we didn't have a great off the line all the time, and all he's done is is one. And I think sometimes, for in this case for Lamar, I think this has helped him because yeah. now it's it's not just about your legs. It's not just about oh, you have a great defense. Oh, you got a running game. You got wide receivers. Now I'm putting this whole thing on my shoulders, and we're winning. They're winning. They look good winning. Five and one, the Ravens are. Okay, when we return, we'll give you our final thoughts and keys to victory right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumps with Paul Moyer. Emmanuel Acho, you heard of that guy? I, I heard it was Ocho. Yeah, I thought it, I heard I heard it was Ocho yeah, Emmanuel. I thought it was too. Goodness gracious. <laughs> All right, hey, final thoughts and keys to victory. My Okay, my final thought on this matchup between the Hawks and the Saints is that, again, you have to be disciplined on defense. I've said this earlier. Everything's going to look the same, or at least a lot of the things are going to look the same. Backers got to read their keys, believe what they're seeing, and DBs have to make plays. Offensively, this team, the Saints, they're great against the run, but you can't let that deter you. right? You have to go in and say, okay, they can be great against the run, we could struggle against the run early, but you got to stick with it and play action off of that. I know you mentioned earlier, Moyer, that you really like the play action against these guys. I, I think we we have to. I, I look well. I'll stay on the def, their defensive side. They they're committed to stopping the run. And they've done a great job of it. Uh, so we're going to have to take some shots downfield. Um, I think you can go with some three tight end offense, uh, do what we did last week. You know, you run it hard and then you play action over the top. Our biggest plays came from that with a three tight end offense and two man route. So I, I would continue to do that. Um, my, my biggest concern is their offensive line. They're, they're, they're physical. I mean, they really get after you in the running game and they're going to commit to the running game too. I believe, um, they're, they're, they're beat up at wide receiver. They don't have a bunch of them right now. Um, I don't, I think Thomas was, is ruled out, but you know, we'll, we'll find where, where that, that, that plays out. So that's my thing. Do we match them physically at the beginning, which we need to, um, I, I don't think we need to be crazy here. The last two weeks, it's just about us not making the big plays, the big moments, the key moments of the game. And when that, and it's we we know turnovers come in bunches. You know, there's no way to to force turnovers. They just happen over time. Being in the right place, fundamentals. And I think that's it. We've gotten a little better. 
the last three weeks. We got a little better against the Rams defensively. We got a little better, a lot better against Pittsburgh. I think we've run the ball better. We've been in every game. We just got to close the stuff out and make plays when they, they come our way. You have to make Jameis Winston turn the ball over at least one time. Now, in our talk that talk, the question was, is he going to have multiple turnovers? I don't think he have multiple, but one is good. He's taking care of the football so far, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's only been sacked nine times. So they're doing a good job getting the football out of his hand and protecting him. So now is make them be something that they haven't been. Make them give up a few sacks. Make Jameis Winston turn the ball over like he hasn't before this year. Make him be the guy that we saw in Tampa. Where they're struggling, New Orleans, is in mixed downs. Uh, Maverick, they're 30th offensively in first downs a game. They're 10th third down conversion. So that means they're just not they're, – they're, they kind of are, are battle you know, earlier in the year where we just weren't creating enough drives, the sustaining drives. We're getting a third down too often. And after a while, it doesn't matter. You can be a great third down conversion team. Just statistically, you're going to be off the field if it comes up too, too often. So we got to win the mixed down situation. That's the physical part with their offensive line. We, you mentioned early in the show, and it, this happened a couple times in the game last week. Man, we we have guys. We're in the hole, or we're scraping in the hole off the the tackle, and it this should be a second and ten play. Instead, it came up second and six. We can't have that. We got to have first hit. It's got to be stopped. No more extra one two yards because now it starts coming up third down and two, third down and one. Those are difficult for the defense. And that's why I think I this isn't complicated. You know, win mixed downs. Don't turn the ball over. When a play comes your way, catch it. You know, yes. I mean, it's just pretty simple stuff. Make plays. You all make a, a lot of money. We have talent. I like what we're doing uh, play calling offensively. Defensively, we're getting better. We've still got some things to work out. I want to see our best players on the field. I want to see Trey Brown on the field. I want to see Marquise Blair on the field. Let's get our playmakers, guys who are physical, understand past uh, defense, uh, start making some plays. And let's see Geno Smith push the ball down the field. That too. Let's see it, man. I, our longest reception last week was a 41-yard reception, but that was uh, to Gerald Everett. Before that, Gino only had a drive, really. Um, he had a 21-yard reception to Will Disley. You've seen opportunities for this guy to throw the football down the field. This is your second complete game that you're going to play. Get comfy. Believe in what you're seeing. Roll the dice a little bit because you can't win being conservative. At this point, you're down, you're 2-4. and four, you got to make a splash. Yeah, and it, it looks, there's, a, there's a big difference between being aggressive and being reckless. You know, being reckless, throwing into coverage. No, you know. Uh, scrambling, that one play that he fumbled. Nothing wrong with, hey, scrambling and, and stepping up in the pot. Protect the football, though. You know, don't let these guys come and slap the ball behind you. We do that. We, we know we're going to be in a game that's going to come down in the fourth quarter. Who may, whoever makes the most plays, it's time for us to start making the most plays. We always say it's five key plays a game. you got to win at least three of those. We've been on the, 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 the one and two side. We need to be on the three, four, five side of those five big plays. Let's go. Let's make some plays, and let's reestablish your dominance on prime time football. All right, let's get out of here. More special thanks to Jamarco Jones and John Clayton for joining the show. Our board operator, DJ Wilder, and our executive producer, Nasa Chobie. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Monday starting at 2 p.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumps, with Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.